Welcome to a ride on the outside. MMA is full of people on the inside, but what about the ones that watch from beyond? Welcome to the MMA Outsiders with Tom Albano and Zan Bando on the Empty the Bench Podcast Network. Good morning, folks. It's episode 40, the big 4-0 for the MMA Outsiders. That's Sam Bando. I'm Tom Albano. It's all about tough. It's all about flyweight this week. It's a very light week and yet a very packed week all in one. It's like a jab that's lately coming from somebody who has all the power in the world. Zan, I'm hyped. Oh, I am too. And uh, just for the just for the record, I wanted to get it out there <laughs> at the very end of last week. <laughs> I just wanted to reiterate that yes, I'm seeing that song. Brent Musburger last week. I forgot about that. I, I pulled it at the end of ETV. Yeah, I pulled the I pulled the Brett Musburger last week. For those of you, for those of you who missed it, <laughs> I missaid who I was and vice versa. So just for the record, for anyone that's confused, before we get into as Tom has described as a white but packed but packed week, um, just for the record, I am Zan and do my of this Tom Al- Albano, of course. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, no confusion. He's the one at BJ Penn, and he's the one doing the Bellator rankings, not me. So get that out of the way. Speaking of, make sure you hit that like button. Make sure to subscribe and hit the notification bell so you get notified of every episode of the MMA Outsiders and more from the Empty the Bench Network. Uh, make sure to follow us across social media. You can follow the show at MMA Outsiders ETV on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and you can follow the Empty the Bench Podcast Network, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at ETV Network. That's it. Not Tom, that's Zan. You can find his work over at bjpen.com. Like I said, he's a staff writer there. You can follow him on Twitter at Zambado99. And he's a member of the Bellator Rankings Committee. So you get to know all that he's thinking of with the Bellator Rankings. I'm Tom Albano. You can find my work over at Fansided MMA. You can follow me on Twitter at Thomas J. Albano. And starting with the next leg of the PFL season, you can catch some of my work on the PFL's official website. Yeah, so for for uh, for both of us, I guess not only are we not only are we host and co-host or double co-host, if you will, we are technically working for two rival promotions, which is pretty which which is pretty fun. But in the um in the in the grand scheme of things, we treat every promotion the same. But nonetheless, um, as Tom has alluded to earlier, we kind of have a little bit of a major announcement. If you guys haven't heard by now, or if you guys have been living under a rock, the Ultimate Fighter is back. Uh, yeah. Not, not only, not only is the Ultimate Fighter back, but it is a massive, massive season. Oh, just so you guys know, we will be doing a live post-episode reaction show that will air immediately following every episode for the next ten weeks. It'll be called "Tough Enough: The Ultimate Fighter Aftermath." So, as a little disclaimer, if you have not seen an episode for a given week, do not watch the live stream because. Because we will be we will be breaking spoilers about what happens on the show, so be sure to watch the actual episode before coming to 
That's because what you'll get is the recap side. We've already assumed that you guys have seen everything that took place on the episodes. That'll be a new change, a limited series that we're calling it. Tough Enough, The Ultimate Fighter Aftermath, airing immediately following every episode of Tough 31 for the next 10 weeks. Again, exclusively in the U.S. on ESPN and ESPN Plus and Fight Pass for the rest of the world. Yeah, so, yeah, every week, every week. So on Tuesdays in the morning, you're going to get an episode, our usual episode, and then at, late at night, you're going to get our live stream, our live reactions to every Tough episode. These are going to be live streams that will be broadcasted on the Empty the Bench uh, YouTube channel, as well as face the Facebook and Twitter accounts of both MMA Outsiders and the Empty the Bench Network. These are live streams. So for those of you who are listening to us on the audio-only podcasting platforms, you will not get these on the audio-only po- uh, podcast platforms. You have to go to our social media accounts to see these. Um Speaking of, for those of you who are listening on the audio-only platforms, make sure you check out our YouTube feed as well. And those of you watching us on YouTube, you know, if you don't want to see Zan and I's faces, you can feel free to check out every MMA Outsiders episode on the podcasting platforms like Acast, Spotify, so much more. But this, the Ultimate Fighter Aftermath, the limited weekly series, is live-streamed. It will not be part of the podcasting it's uh, like we said a limited weekly series a special live stream so like i said every morning you're gonna get us now every tuesday morning and every tuesday night live stream it's gonna be a fun summer for those of you who are mma fans out there yeah it'll definitely it'll definitely be fun for you especially if you are diehard fans of tom and uh and myself so it should be a fantastic time as we go through who we think is going to be crowned the ultimate fighter in the two various weight classes, of course. But in getting into all of that, before we dive deeper into what this season is going to bring, Tom, this feels like the biggest season probably since season one. And I'm not even understating it. This really does feel like a massive, tough season and almost an evolution of the show because now you're getting it on not just ESPN Plus, but the big ESPN, if you will, the cable version of the biggest uh, sports network um, in America and arguably all over the world. I mean, would you say this season has more hype around it than Connor's first time on tough when he coached alongside Uriah Faber, which I think is uh, season 22. I would say so. And the reason why I say that is just because he's had this two year layoff. He just had the Netflix documentary Chandler has been calling him out for the better part of two years saying that, oh, you should be my return fight, and now it's looking more and more plausible. So, I mean, I think this has all the makings to be a very successful show, not just uh, fight-wise and the fights being great, but the ratings and all the drama around everything that's going to happen in each episode is going to be very, very fun. And and you're going to get – we're going to go into the cast in just a bit here, but you're going to get a mix of uh, veterans and – we're going to get a mix of guys who are still working their way up into the UFC. So it's going to be almost a miniature version of, to me, it feels like a season one, but it, it also feels like season four of the comeback where you're, I know you're mm-hmm. kind of getting a mixture of both and they're all kind of colliding together. And from the videos that we've already seen just briefly of the excerpts that are being put out, it already looks like a very, very interesting season. So yeah, that's the first thing I thought of when I look at the cast is season four, the comeback season. 
where he had Matt Sarah winning it in a controversial decision at the end. And then he goes on and upsets George St. Pierre for the welterweight championship. Um, funny that you first mentioned it, all, the, all the hype, you know, that's the most hype since the first season because Ultimate Fighter has been back for two seasons now in the ESPN era. But Zan, I don't know if you'll agree with me on it, but like when Tough first came back season 29, it felt, you know, it was great. It was like that big welcome back, but then it very quickly lost its luster. It was like back to the same old kind of format as it had been. Yeah, it felt very staticky in a way. Like it felt like it was a it was a standstill. And you got to the finale, and the finale was decent for both the last two seasons, but it was just like it left you wanting so much more. And obviously I think the biggest key to this show working is the two coaches. The two coaches have to have a history and they have to be two of the biggest superstars in the sport. I'm not saying Volk Ortega, Nunez or Pena didn't fit that description. They did, but they don't have the personalities that McGregor or Chandler would, where they leave you on the edge of their seat. And you already know that not only are they two of the most competitive fighters on the planet, and and love to you know uh you know earn earn their work so to speak but i'm i'm almost positive that uh, given mcgregor's previous tough experience and the knowledge that chandler has that these two are going to be some of the one of the best coaching pairs that the show has ever seen and i'm not just saying that as an opinion i literally think that is a chance to become reality and i think after people watch the season Assuming it goes the way we think it's going to go, I think I think a lot of people are going to come to that same re- realization themselves. Well, number one, I think that the reason that says this is on linear ESPN and not just ESPN Plus, like the last couple of seasons were, is because it involves Conor McGregor, the biggest star in this sport, and it involves somebody who can deliver a good fight and can go, you know, jab for jab with him, not just in the cage but verbally as well, and somebody like Michael Chandler who, if you remember, Stan, a couple of years ago, there was all this hype in the world after Michael Chandler left Bellator to sign with UFC. And we basically have seen a lot of firefights and a lot of amazing fights ever since Chandler has come here. McGregor and Chandler, whenever this fight happens, will probably be on that caliber as well. But here's my question about hype, and here's my question about what you're talking about with Tough and the coaches. Do you think it's also... Don't no play on words intended, but tough or tough as well because you know back in the days where tough season one saved the UFC, you didn't have all the ways to get into the UFC you did today, like the contender series, looking for a fight, or just the fact that you got all these smaller MMA promotions now on streaming services like Fight Pass that more you get more exposure and social media as well. Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, it, it kind of goes back to what I said before about, you know, having the right pair of coaches. But I think now with the UFC being so big, they can use all of these feeder methods that you've mentioned that no matter which way you get in, the way the UFC is going to market you is they're going to market you like you're already in the UFC. And I think, and and and, and I hate to say it because I'm a Contender Series fan, but I think when you have the right cast of characters and when you have the right coaches and the format is the format, the show the show works. And as much as people hate it, remember there were several seasons in a row I didn't like for various reasons. But I think no matter what way you try to get into the UFC, whether it's UFC related in some way, 
contender shirts looking for a fight. They're going to figure out a way to market you. And I think the ultimate fighter is the OG of being able to market fighters who are still looking to get into the UFC. And when you have the right coaches and you have the right exposure, not to mention the fact the, the, the biggest reason why I think this is so big is because now it's going to be viewed by, by, by not just, you know, not just, you know, a million people one week or a million people the next. It's going to be viewed by millions and millions of people. This is bigger than any season that they did on FS1. This is bigger than any season they ever did on Spike. This is where the UFC wants to be. And this is the smartest business decision that they could have made for the season to air on ESPN because now everybody's going to get a chance to watch it with whether you're a cord cutter or not. And I think that's what Tough has been missing for years is everyone being given the equal opportunity to see what the show is all about. And it also helps when you have a flair of drama. And I know the um, Ortega Volkanovsky season, we did have a little bit of mind games. We did have a little bit of drama and tension. But I think with McGregor and Chandler, we're going to get that from the very start. Oh, no doubt about it. Uh, no doubt about it. I think it's going to be who is going to be able to play mind games first. You know, is McGregor going to come in looking stoic and ready to go? Or is he, he going to come in looking all nervous to see if Chandler can get into his head? Granted that, that McGregor has had two years off. It's going to be interesting to see if his mental psyche is completely all there or if he's going to be thrown off by anything Chandler says, even from the get-go of the season. So it should, it should be very Interesting. And from the clips that we've seen, uh, it, it's it's obvious that the two got on each other's nerves relatively quickly. And it's going to be interesting to see how that bruise and how that escalates as the 10 weeks uh, rolls along. So just for the record, before we get into the cast and previewing everything, here's a look, by the way, at the coaches. So Team McGregor, obviously the head coach is going to be Conor McGregor, and he's going to have his boys from SBG with him, John Kavanaugh, Owen Roddy. Kavanaugh will be an assistant coach, Owen Roddy, Jiu-Jitsu. Team Chandler, here's an interesting here's an interesting look at this team. So you got Michael Chandler, obviously, as head coach. The assistant coach will be the Bellator heavyweight champion himself, Ryan Bader. So you got a little bit of UFC Bellator crossover there, which is actually kind of cool. Plus, Ryan Bader, a former tough winner. Yeah, I'd, I'd argue that Chandler's... Uh coaching staff is that is that all that that's been no, reviewed sorry, for the, sorry okay, I just okay. I, I just threw a little tease in there uh jiu-jitsu coach you got Robert Drysdale you got Jason okay. for striking and Greg Jones for wrestling so I, I I that's just from reading the wiki you would have to hope that team McGregor has more than just a jiu-jitsu coach right because yeah that's I, a pretty stacked coaching staff for team Chandler yeah I'd argue that just from the wiki alone assuming it's accurate that Team Chandler uh, outsmarts Team McGregor all all day. Is given is given the names put together or side by side. Do they do, do they not? I mean, I know it's early. I know oh, the show hasn't aired yet, but just those names alone. I mean, Robert Drysdale, who's been who's been a part of the sport forever. Jones has been a part of the sport forever. Bader, who has had UFC experience and fought former UFC champions. And is and a Bellator champion, and 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 is now like he's a Bellator champion. I mean, that's pretty damn good when 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 comparing them head to head, in my opinion. I just don't want it to be like season three of Ultimate Fighter with Shamrock and Tito. When Zan, hopefully, you remember when Shamrock's team all they did was like watch tapes of Shamrock fighting. 
I I I do I do remember that. <laughs> then of course T and then of course Tito had his all-star team from Big Bear that just destroyed them on nearly, on nearly every episode. The same thing happened with Rashad and Rampage. Rampage was so fixated on having Tiki and Rashad had, you know, you know, J- Jackson Wink and destroyed them for much of the that season. It's very similar. It's very interesting. Yeah. So now that we've gone into the coaches, now we've talked about all the hype and everything, Zen. There's one other big thing we got to talk about with Tough. I think we got to meet the fighters. Of course. Oh, now we're going to go into the cast, and then Tom and I will give our predictions as to who is more than who is most likely going to win at men's bantamweight and men's lightweight. Of course, as you guys know, those are two of the most talent stacked divisions in the UFC. So it only makes sense to have the two big, um, not money makers, if you will, but the two big non uh, heavier weight divisions be the centerpiece of the show. I think, that, I think that adds to the hype even more that it's the two most stacked weight classes in mixed martial arts. It's hard to disagree with that, but obviously the fights are going to tell that story. So we can say, oh, this is great all we want, but it'll only really happen until until the fights actually materialize and then we can really get a better sense. But yeah, let's go through the cast. So I guess to start off, um, let's start with uh, men's bantamweight. So for those of you guys who don't know, it is veterans versus prospects. So um, so it looks like men's bantamweight, they're going to be the prospects in this case. So the first fighter we have is a 26-year-old, 8-2 bantamweight named Mando Gutierrez out of East Lansing, Michigan. Um, Tom, if you were if you were a coach, um, where would where would you where would you um, where would you have them going, and would you have them going early in the pick selection, midway through the pick selection, or near the bottom? I mean. It's a little tough. Now, if Mando Gutierrez sounds familiar to you, he did have a few fights in LFA a little earlier in his career. He's 7-2, and two, lost to Mo Miller in LFA. And where else you might have heard this name, Zan? He fought on the Contender Series last year. He was the opponent, the opponent of one Raul Rosas Jr. I do remember that. Uh, he's 7-2. and two, Hasn't faced the, mo- the best of competition. Uh, his last fight when he defeated uh, Tim uh, Timis Truth in WXC, he was a 7-4 fighter. He was the one who had the most... Oh, pardon me, pardon me. He wasn't the one with most experience. Chaga Worthy in XFC, but his opponent in XFC was a 4-4 four four fighter. So I might have to say middle at best. I think the only thing that, you know, Mondo has at this point compared to some other people in terms of, you know, from what I can tell, you know, from what my experiences with him is his age. I mean, he is 26 years old. He is one of the youngest in this, uh, in this category. And like you said, it's prospects and pros. So you're going to see a wide mix of age ranges. So 26, he's going to be one of the younger fighters. I would say somewhere maybe in the middle because he's going to be, uh, somebody to develop. Now, he's got some interesting names under his belt. And like I said, he's got the LFA experience. He's got the Contender Series experience, but needs a little more seasoning. All right. So with your with him needing a little more seasoning, in your opinion, where does he go, Tom? Team McGregor or Team Chandler? What do we, what do we think? For his sake, 
I would hope Team Chandler. I would, I would think so too. I think given what we know about both coaching staffs, I think Chandler's team is better at development. And he's from what we know so far. Okay, sounds good. The next fighter we have also in the men's bantamweight category, Trevor Wells, 27 years old, eight and three out of Temecula, California. I'm actually pretty high on him. I actually think he goes early in the selection and I actually, he goes to team McGregor. I think his, uh, I think his striking could get better as the show progresses and you could see him go to the quarterfinals in my, in my, in my opinion. Yeah. If team McGregor picks up Trevor Wells, I think he might have the potential Zan to be the star from team McGregor, the young star, I should say, as you mentioned, in three, uh, he has experience in Combate Global, has experience in the LFA. Uh, his most notable loss is to Chris O'Conn, who Chris O'Conn has actually fought quite a few names on this uh, on this little list of uh, tough competitors here. But you are right. He's got a lot of talent, uh, Trevor Wells. He's got a four-fight win streak. He actually fought last in... Uh, in October at uh, Uri Faber's uh, promotion, I so, watched that fight. He looked, he looked good. I caught it. I caught, I, I caught it afterward, and he looked really good. I thought he was going to be on this season of the Contender Series. Oh, to see him not get a Contender Series bid and go to Tough was a little bit surprising to me. I don't know. I don't know about you. This is also someone that Nolan King, who's like a prospect, and he is so is uh, so is Sean Bitzer also. Oh, those two, those two have been high on Wells for quite some time now. So to see him get his opportunity is pretty gigantic. Yeah, I, I think Trevor Wells might have to be, depending on how he can develop himself during these episodes, I think he could be a favorite for Bantamweight. For sure. So now moving down the list, we have a more experienced uh, men's Bantamweight competitor. Uh, we've got 35-year-old Car- Carlos Vera. He's 12-3. and three. Out of uh, Falls Church, Virginia, uh, Tom, what do you have on on Vera that you like about him, and could you see him going to Team Chandler just given his experience factor? So Carlos Vera, actually, Zan is also somebody who's coming in despite his age on quite a bit of hype. He's coming in on a four fight win streak. All four fights coming in Fury FC. Uh, given he's got quite a bit of experience under his belt. He's his competition eight and one, five and one, nine and four, seven and three, twelve and four, four and eleven, which is a little weird. Nine and one. So maybe for the experience actor, I could see him going over to Team Chandler. That being said, Zan, 35 years old. He doesn't have a lot of time left. I think he's he's gonna win against the UFD. He's gotta make a statement on this season. I'm a little concerned when you got the likes of Wells and Hunter Azure and Brad Katana. And so forth in Bantamweight. So, uh, good feeling. Do you think he goes to Team Chandler or Team McGregor? Uh, I'm tempted to say Team Chandler. Okay. Um, I. Oh, he's, a he's a toss up. He's a big toss up. This is this is one that I'm going to have to disagree. Uh, with. If you want, I actually could see him going to Team McGregor midway through the selection process. Okay, that like I said, I don't have all the good gut feelings in the world that he would go to Team Chandler. He's a big toss-up. He's an unknown for me. For sure. Uh, all right, Rico DiSulio, 36 years old, the weapon in two out of Massachusetts. 
this guy seems like he would just fit the team McGregor mold. Yeah. Nearly, nearly right out of the gate, either as a number one overall pick for McGregor or a number two overall pick, in my, in my, in my opinion. So he's won four of his last five. Two of those fights came in the CES. Uh, he actually competed, Zan, on the 2018 season of Dana White Contender Series where he lost to Montel Jackson. Uh, what is something to uh, something noteworthy, Zan, is after that 2018 Contender Series appearance, he didn't fight in MMA for four years, which is also a bit of a concern. Early in his career, he got off to a good start. Actually, had a couple of wins in Bellator in the mid-2010s, a couple of fights in CES. Uh, early on, he's fought primarily in CES for his career. Um, there's a, okay, so he's got a, a mix of wins by KO, submission, decision. So nothing that I could really say stand out. What's the what's the reason behind his four year layoff? Is that public knowledge as to why he took four years off? That I think is a good question. I'm trying to figure that out right now. Uh, no, no knowledge that I could see. Well, that's what well, that's what the show is for, right? <laughs> yeah, I guess we'll find out on the show. Uh, yeah. So, um, as I said, I mean that seems like a pretty good um resume. In your opinion, what is his best win out of eleven wins? In your in your opinion, I'm sorry. Oh. Hang on. I have to get back to this page now. I was trying to search up the four-year layoff. Sure. Uh, out of his his best win out of all of these, I mean, probably Matt Lozano, the 84 fighter. The, the, the only thing, Zan, that gets me really concerned is you look at some of these, listen to some of these that he's fought. So you have a 7-3 fighter in his last fight. In March 2022, when he was making his comeback, and he fought in combat zone, he took on Rob Fuller, who was 1-14 and 14 at the time. If you're a veteran of this game, you know, you're 10 and 3, and you're fighting a 1-14 and 14 fighter. That concerns me. <laughs> hey, to make matters even worse, Rob Fuller is now 2-21, and 21, my friend. Oh, God. <laughs> But listen to this: three, five and zero was Montel Jackson. Three and one, three and five, eight and four, three, two and one, five and nine, five and seven, oh, oh and zero. Oh. Zan, this might be. This is going to be a hot take. First round elimination. He's not getting. Yeah, yeah, I could see it. So you don't even think he's going to make it into the house, do you? <laughs> I mean, I think he's. I think everyone's getting into the house because it's two different weight classes. So oh yeah, can, yeah. Yeah, but, that's right. But you think you think he'll lose his preliminary fight, though, right? Oh yeah, big time. Especially if you get matched up with somebody who have experience. Yeah. Um. Without a doubt, so far out of all the guys we've reviewed, the worst strength of schedule coming into coming into the show. Without without yeah. without a doubt. Absolutely. All right. Moving, moving on to someone who uh, who um my former editor and your current editor knows pretty well. Uh, Cody mm -hmm. Gibson. 35, arguably one of the more experienced fighters on the show, currently coming with a 19-8 record. This is someone that I think both coaches should be very high on, and I could see him getting picked very early in this in this uh, in this team selection process. What do you what do you yeah. think? Excellent jujitsu by Cody Gibson. Actually went one and three with the UFC between 2014 and 2015, 
And Zan, here are his losses. Douglas Silver to Andrade, Manpel Gamburian, and a UFC 170, which was Gibson's debut, a young Aljamain Sterling. Oh, I remember. I, I, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So got experience in Zan. His last three fights, two and one, a loss was to Ray Borg. His two victories in the his last three, uh, John Dotson and Francisco Rivera. So you got somebody with some decent experience here. He's probably out of the five that we've reviewed so far, the most decent in terms yeah, of it's Yeah, it's a little unfortunate that he lost to Ray Borg, given Ray Borg's series of uh, weight missing issues that he's had over the years, but still a pretty good resume in his last three. Someone who I can see going very early. This, this next fighter we're going to talk about, though, um, I, I actually have him going as the first overall pick uh, by either coach. Tamir, Tamir Valiev, when I saw his name on this casting list, I'm like, there is no possible way <laughs> he doesn't, that he's going number one. He's one of the most exciting R Russian fighters in the sport right now that's not signed to one of the major promotions. And I think he has a chance to go very deep in, in, the, in the competition. I really, I really do. And Zan, it was not that long ago where Timur Valiev was on the UFC roster. He was released back in June. Uh, in his uh, his record in the UFC in his recent run between 2020 and 2022, he went one, uh, two one and one. He lost originally that fight with Trevin Jones in August of 2020. But Zan, if you remember, that got overturned to the no contest. The marijuana, you know, Timur Jones had the big. I mean, Trevin Jones had the big finish, comeback finish. And then it got overturned because of marijuana. After that, Valiev beat Martin Day. He beat Rayoni Barcelos. But then he lost to Jack Shore in uh, London in March 22 and got. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't think he should have been cut given his given his situation with the Trevin Jones fight in my opinion. So I think he's coming in with a with a I got screwed attitude. Let's see what let's see what I can do with it. And I, I think I think he's someone that everybody should be afraid to fight because to me, out of the out of the prospects category, he seems like the most seasoned out of everyone so far that we've reviewed, and, without and, without a doubt. I was gonna also mention Zan competed in a World Series of Fighting, competed in the Professional Fighters League. He competed in that first season, beat Max Kogov, beat Bekulat Magomedov, but didn't get in to the uh featherweight uh, tournament uh, playoffs because he was two decision wins, so he didn't get enough points. But, Zan, I mean, you look at those losses that he has in his career. First was Ole Robert, which was his MMA debut. He goes on a 10-fight win streak, loses to Chris Gutierrez in World Series of Fighting on a controversial decision, gets that win back, and then the only loss is to Jack Short, because the Trevor Jones one got overturned. So you're talking somebody, Zan, who has some decent you know big league experience and has rarely lost i think zan you've got for favorites at bantamweight you got trevor wells and you got timmer valley of plus one other that we haven't touched on yet no very well said we we kind of skipped over the end of gibson really quick I, I could see gibson going to team chandler would you would you would you would you agree with that uh, I could see that. Yeah. And I agree with you on Timur Valiev. He's going to be somebody's first overall pick. I don't know which coach, but he's going to be somebody's first overall. I'm taking, I'm taking Valiev to get picked by McGregor. He just, he, he just feels like someone that's going to be a sneak attack along with, uh, 
along with Wells, I could, I could, I could. The see only it. problem with the, with determining that Zan is that means you gotta determine who wins the coin toss in your head, and you gotta wonder: Are they gonna pick fight first, or are they gonna pick fighter first? Ah, uh, that that's true. But given that this, this is our show and the season hasn't started yet, we can we can kind of okay, we can dream, Damn it, I know. All we all we all we whine about who our ultimate fighter draft would. would okay, Zan. So now let me ask you this question. Okay. McGregor and Chandler, do you think upon winning the coin toss, each would want to pick fight the first fight or the first fighter? I'd say Chandler would want to pick the first fight. Connor would want to pick the first fighter. I agree. Thousand percent. That's what that's what I think because I think Chandler thinks that his team is so good that he doesn't care who he has on it. He he just wants to school McGregor as early as early as he possibly can. That's what he. That's the, what he. That's what he wants. The only concern I have about, I, I think Tim Valiev will be McGregor's first. If McGregor does pick the first fighter, the only concern I have about Valiev being uh, first overall pick, he'll definitely be, I think, first bantamweight pick. But there is somebody at lightweight that gets my eye only because of a certain location. Yeah. You'll see what I mean when we go through. Now, I, I think you got it now. I think I know. I think I got it now. But let's keep going down the list. Hunter Reserve, someone who you covered in the past, uh, mm -hmm. obviously. Um, I mean, Tom, do you think that Azure being on the Ultimate Fighter, do you think that this is the right move? Or do you think that he should have maybe gotten a crack at the Contender Series again? Or do you think there should have been some other way? Or do you think that Azure, to get his star power up, this was the right move? I think this could have been the right move, Zan. I mean, he has LFA experience. Like you said, he does have contender series experience. He beat, oh, Zan, look, it's Chris O'Connor again. I said Chris O'Connor was going to pop up a couple of times on here. You sure did. Um, you sure did. He's a pretty good common denominator, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, seriously. Uh, beat Brad, he, he beat Brad Katana, beat Cole Smith. His only losses, Zan, in the UFC are to Brian Kelleher and Jack Shore. And Jack Shore was a split decision, so... I mean, those are not bad losses. So I think, I mean, think Tough would probably be a good second chance. I think he's a pretty decent wrestler. I think, like I said, he's got the bigger stage experience. That being said, I don't know if I necessarily will favor him, especially when we talk about. I think you can tell who my top three are: Wells, Valiev, and the next guy we're going to talk about to round out bantamweight. Yeah, I mean, the last guy we're going to talk about, if he isn't a lock for Team Gregor, I don't know. I don't. I don't know what we're doing here. But uh, Brad Katona getting another shot um, in the UFC. Thirty-one years old, twelve and two out of Dublin, Ireland. I mean, this is someone who the UFC was high on for a bit, and oh, he and we struggled kind of midway through his run, and he was released from the promotion. But this is someone who, I mean. You know, I don't know how he doesn't go to Team McGregor, and I don't know how he doesn't go to Team McGregor early in the pick process. And and he's actually one of my two concerns about if Valiev would actually be a top pick for him because I could see a, a situation, Zan, where Katana gets picked by McGregor and then uh, Chandler uses that to take Valiev. It's very, very possible. So... Also, Zan, wait, we're missing something very big about Brad Katana and why I think he's a top three, one of my top three picks for Bantamweight. Okay. He has won the Ultimate Fighter before. He, he sure won, has. He won Tough 27, the undefeated season with Cormier and uh, 
and Stipe. So, like you said, you know, he's got the tough experience. He lost to Hunter Azur. And, Dan, do you know who his other loss in the UFC was? I can't remember. Marab Devalishvili. That's that's pretty unbelievable given where Marab is now, right? And, and he, yeah, but then ever since then, Zan, he's won four straight in Brave. So I think this is a good <laughs> second chance for Beckettana. And I think, Zan, a, pot, a potential favorite to go far. So that's ban- men's band and weight. I've already said my top three. My top three men's band and weight are Timmer Valley of Brad Katana and Trevor Wells as my I'm potential gonna, favorite. I'm going to go for me. We're, we're going with uh, Cody Gibson, uh, Tamir Valiev, and Brad uh, and Brad Katana. Those are my th- those are th- those are my top three. And then like for it. the uh, and then for the for the finale, I actually have a I actually have a good one. I actually think it's going to be. Um, Valia versus Katona for all the for all the mar- for all the marbles in the bantamweight finale. Oh, please let that be the bantamweight finale, please. That would be fu- that would be fantastic. No, absolutely. I I, I can I can tell what you were about to say when you when you stopped yourself. I agree with you though. That finale would be effing fantastic. <laughs> Um, and then if you were to give me an early prediction, I actually think Valia beats uh, Katona by decision to win the Ultimate Fighter in one of the best Agreed. Ultimate Fighter finale fights we've seen in a very, very long time. That's Agreed. my Valia of over Katona by decision. I'm with you. All right. So now we're gonna move over to uh, now we're gonna move over to would you are we calling the lightweight division the the uh, the, the veteran side now? Would you say? I don't know. I don't know, Zan. I think there's a mix of both, to be honest, across oh, the way. Oh, oh, you're not. You're not. You're not uh, wrong. Now that I'm re-looking at the list, you are. You are. You are absolutely right. There, there definitely is a mix of, of, uh, of prospects and veterans. So for those of you who were confused, weight class doesn't matter. There, there is a mix of prospects and contenders for both bantamweight and lightweight. So let's go down the list. First, we have Landon Kenyonis. He's 27. Seven one and one out of Sunrise Florida. Given Michael Chandler's American Top Team ties, I don't. Yeah. See, I don't. I, I don't see how he doesn't go to Team Chandler. What do you What do you think? Yeah, I think he goes to Team Chandler. The Lone Wolves and his MMA debut, his professional MMA debut, I should say, came in a Bellator, uh, a weird Bellator card. This might have been their partnership with the racing Yen Monster Energy. Yeah, it was. They held it at one of the racing ways in 2017. That went to a draw. Ever since then, Zan, he's been purely with Titan FC, where he's gone seven and one since. I think he's somebody to really watch out for. Actually, he's the Titan FC Zan lightweight champion. So I think he's got to be one of the top names across this tough uh, season in terms of prospects. First opportunity, first big crack at the big stage. Could you see him if he if his draws are good? Could you see him making it to the to the quarterfinals? Uh, yes. If the draws, if the cards lay out right, yes. And Zan, if he puts on a good showing, even if he doesn't win the lightweight season, I could see the UFC still offering him some sort of contract. I would agree. Whether it's a contender series deal, a developmental contract, or a straight up contract, right? Yep. Um, all right. Cool. So we both agree, uh, Kenyonis to Team Chamwer. We're now going to move on to Aaron McKenzie, 26, 11, 2, and 1 out of Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. Not a ton of 
Oklahoma um, natives in the UFC, so it's nice yeah. to see a little bit more of that of that Western vibe, if you will, and that part that's of the country. the country. What do you What do you have on McKenzie that you, Dan, you think that you think stands Dan, out? Something to note: uh, just last year, his last fight in April 2022, he won the LFA lightweight championship. So we got another light, you know, regional scene lightweight champion here, who. Also has competed in Bellator. He beat Sean Clements and lost to Chris Gonzalez. Not a terrible loss, Chris Gonzalez. Uh, he was 3-0 and at the time. Uh, so, And that Chris Gonzalez fight, that was his last loss in his last seven fights. So you got somebody else coming in with quite a bit of momentum. Great wrestler, great jiu-jitsu. Uh, if he gets the right draws, Dan, I mean, if he gets somebody who stands, who is primarily stand-up, I could see McKenzie trying to bring the fight to the ground and win the fight on the, you know, grind it on the ground for a win. Yeah, I think this is a toss-up in terms of coaches. So I'm going to go on on the women saying McKenzie gets picked by Team McGregor. Yeah, that I'll I'll say McGregor, but I think, like you said, this is a toss-up. It, it's like me, what I thought with um with Vera. It could go either way. Um, I don't know why I feel this way, but our next contestant, Nate Gentleman, to me, it feels like He's the perfect match for the for the very first fight on tough, and I don't know why I feel that way, but I just feel like th- th- there's th- there's something about him that makes me think that okay, he could very easily be the first fight and not the and not the first pick. Uh, plenty of LFA experience, great submission artist, a good submission artist is uh, Nate Jemmerman. Uh, of his six. 16 wins, yeah, 16 wins, and 12 of them have come by submission. Quite a bit of LFA experience. He last fought last year in the PFL, coming in mid-season to the PFL and PFL four, fought on the prelims, defeated Jake Childers by second round submission. Yeah, so it's obvious that this guy is nasty on the ground, and you can see why I think he could be the first fight, right? Uh, yeah, just because he could be, he could deliver something nasty and he could, oh. he could be one of those dark horses that you want to knock out early. That's, that's exactly, that's exactly right. I guess you could say something similar about Lee Hammond. Uh, to me, he feels like a block for team McGregor five and oh, up in Ireland, one of the younger, uh, fighters on, on this season and someone who I think, again, if he gets the right draws, he could win his first fight and Possibly even his second fight, uh, based on who is still remaining in the competition. And he's my other concern. Katana and Hammond Zan are my concerns about if Valiev would really go to Team McGregor with the first pick because Katana, like I said, has the tough experience. It is an Ireland boy, is an SBG boy, and then Lee Hammond is also an SBG. But you also got the fact that he's only five and zero. He's only twenty six. Maybe you know. McGregor can waste a little time and get some of those picks before uh, acquiring uh, Lee Hammonds. Although, if you're Chandler, Zan, are you interested in selecting Lee Hammond just to do a little FU to McGregor? Um, he very well could, but obviously, Tom, it depends on where they're at in the picking stages at that point. But I would not be surprised. What do you What do you think? I mean, doesn't have a lot of experience. He. Beat a guy who was 6-0 in Kamratulo Sufiev in Super League MMA. But then, Dan, his most recent fight, he fought a guy who was 0-4. Yeah, that's not great. 
Yeah, there's not a lot here from Lee Ham, and so I could see him pretty much. Again, I don't know how much the SVG affiliation is going to make McGregor pick, you know, his guys early. You get what I mean, right? Absolutely. All right, so now we're going to move on to Austin Hubbard. Austin Hubbard has UFC experience, finished his run at three and four, and you could argue that his best win was probably. I would I would probably say uh, Kyle Prepel because if you think about it, the Max um, Rosh Roshkov it did not go according to plan. Obviously, Max decided to end the fight on the stool. So I think yeah. that I, I think I I think that Austin Hubbard still has a lot to prove. And what I worry about is he's going to run into a young stud and he's going to like like a younger um a younger fighter. Or so to speak, that's maybe twenty six or twenty seven, and get floored in the in the very in the very first fight. And Zen, that's actually my concern with the last three or four guys on our list at lightweight is that somebody like a Landon or an Aaron McKenzie could easily have their way with them, and, and that Landon and Aaron could basically use some of these veterans to boost their boost their cred for the UFC and boost their way to the towards the finale or at least a semifinal push. Um, for sure. So with all that being said, uh, I think we can both agree that, um, well, I, I think, I think we can both agree that Austin Hubbard is one of those ones where you might want to put an asterisk and, and might want to, might want to pause on, on putting him too far into the tournament, because I worry, just like you said, one of these other prospects, either, you know, oh, you know, Lee Hammond or somebody else it could come in and snatch his lunch, if you will. I, actually, you know what? I'm gonna make a I'm gonna make a prediction and say this. This is gonna this is gonna be bold, but I, okay. I but I, I don't know if they're still doing wild cards on this show anymore. But if they are, I think he's someone where if one of these guys gets hurt and they bring him back, oh, I, I, I think I think he could I think he could be one of them. What do you what do you what do you what do you think? I could see it just because of his UFC experience. For sure. All right, we got a contender series bet. You know him very well, Kurt Hollibaugh. Actually, one of my favorite uh, fighters on this on this season. I'm actually really excited to watch him. I believed in his potential for a long time, even going back to his looking for a fight days too. I actually think Hollibaugh has a chance to do some major, major things um, on this show, and I actually think Hollibaugh has a chance. I'm going to go on and women say he actually makes it to the semifinals. I think, I think I think I think he goes on a on a dominant run over the course of the season, and I actually think Kurt Holaba is going to get picked by Team Chamler near near the near the end of the selection process. I could see that, Zan. I actually I think had the chance to talk to Kurt Holaba before one of his XFC fights. Yeah, I think it was around November of 2020 before he fought Josira Boy. <laughs> Uh, which ended up, which 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 ended up being a very entertaining fight if you remember if you remember that for sure. Uh, Kurt Hallball also has Titan FC experience. He fought at UFC 159. Fought at fought on a Strike Force card. Uh, his run after the first he actually competed on the very first edition of Contender Series. Went to the no contest with Matt Bissett after uh, Hallball. He won the fight. Got the knockout. But what happened was he had used an IV, and so they overturned it to the no contest. And then his UFC run, you know, Rayoni Barcelo, Shane Burgos, Tiago Moises. Not terrible losses, but you can't go 0-3 and expect to re-retain. 
no, you, no, you can't. Um, you, you, you can't. And, uh, I think, I think for his sake, uh, kind of like what we've said about a lot of these guys, the ultimate fighter is really, you know, a coin flip slash numbers probability game. If you don't get the right draw, there's a chance you're not going to do well. And it doesn't matter how much experience you have. And I think that's the case here. Um, I mean, do you believe in Halaba as much as I do? It, it seems like I. It seems like I feel like I'm more high on him than than, than you are. And I think he's a dark horse. I think he's a dark horse. I think, I think if let me put it to you this way, then if he gets paired up with somebody like Austin Hubbard or well, probably the next guy we're going to talk about with Roosevelt Roberts, I could see Halaba winning against them. Somebody like Quinones or McKenzie, I don't know. All right, that that works for me, and I could easily see where you're coming from there. Okay, so now we're going to move on to Roosevelt Roberts, a guy that you and I both know very, very well, as we are diehard uh, DWCS fans. So if you know Dana White Contender Series religiously and you watch every episode, you know that Roosevelt Roberts has competed on the show before. I feel like this is Roosevelt Roberts' last shot. Uh, I, I don't know if I'm I don't know if I'm uh, I don't know if I'm jumping the gun and saying that I just feel like he doesn't no, have I agree Zan I agree I know he's only 29 but I'll be quite blunt his first UFC run was not good well, no he, was, no he lost the Vink Pichel he won against Brock Weaver but I wasn't high on Brock Weaver like everybody else and that was a fight where Brock Weaver missed weight tremendously Jim Miller's not a bad loss the Kevin Kroom fight where Kroom got the submission, but then tested positive for marijuana. And then he got spinning wheel kicked, knocked the hell out by Ignacio Balmondez. So, I mean, they're not terrible losses, but the run was just not good. Yeah. He felt like, you know what he felt like? He felt like the the jobbers from WWE. He was just used to boost other people. Yeah, but you, yeah, but you already know Baja, the Baja Mondes knockout is one of the best knockouts we've seen. In- oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in quite some time so let's hope that the tough production staff doesn't like leak out the knockout during his, during his profile oh, how did his first UFC run go spectacular knockout <laughs> yeah um, no kidding I actually I, okay. I, I, imagine sorry imagine being one of the interviewers you know as they're doing the documentary <laughs> How did it feel to get knocked out by that kick? <laughs> <laughs> and then he just goes after you and walks off the set. <laughs> doesn't, even, doesn't even start the season. Uh, as 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 what we're looking at says, all contestants are subject to change, so you never you never know. <laughs> but, it's, just, it's just Connor, you know. Hey, you know, don't worry about him. I, I got somebody. <laughs> I can't even. I, I can't even bring it out. Uh, you, know, you know, I got somebody. And then all of a sudden, the return of Artem Lobov. Artem Lobov? Well, well given, well, given who we're about to talk about next, that would make, that would make a lot of sense, would it, would it not? I mean, uh, Knight. Now, 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 the last fighter we got to talk about is Jason Knight, who's been presumably everywhere. Is he not? I mean, he's made himself famous during his UFC run, even though he wasn't great. And and he made himself famous during his BKFC run, and now he's back for a little bit more action. Uh, I think he is the Jesse Taylor of this season, and, and I'm not saying it lightly. I literally, I, I hope literally, he has a better run than Jesse Taylor did. 
you would you 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 would hope so, right? Yeah, you would hope he doesn't blow it like Jesse Taylor did. I know. Well, he technically blew it twice because then he tested positive the second time. I know. So, um, yeah, he's very, I mean, he's very UFC experience. You know, he's got wins over. Actually, he fought Tiago Moises outside of the UFC, so that's interesting. Uh, beat Dan Hooker, beat Alex Caceres, Chaz Skelly, and then everything fell off a cliff when he lost to Ricardo Lamas. Yeah, not only did he lose to Ricardo Lamas, he looked horrible in that fight. So, um, the, it, it's not it's not great. And I, I feel like this is also another situation similar to uh, to Roosevelt Roberts and Kurt Oliva, where it could be their last chances too. So mm-hmm. I actually I think Jay, well we haven't really done the last two. Um, I'm going to say Roosevelt Roberts goes to Team Chandler and Kurt Oliva goes to Team McGregor, which leaves us with. Jason Knight, who I actually think goes to Team McGregor. Also, what do you what do you think? I I, I could see it. I agree with you. As far as uh, our top three picks for me, uh, I gotta go with probably Landon Quinones and Aaron McKenzie. Actually, Aaron McKenzie, he's got plenty of experience. Aaron McKenzie, Landon Quinones, and then all the veterans we've talked about in the lightweight scene here. I mean, that's tough. I might Zan. I might go with. I might go with Hallball as my third. Interesting. Mine's a little different than yours. I like. Um, we'll go two prospects and a vet. So I'm taking Aaron McKenzie. I'm taking Lee Hammond, and I'm actually gonna. I'm actually gonna believe in him this time, and I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say Roosevelt Roberts is my is my third out of my top three in in that in that category. So I think we are in agreement that our pick for lightweight is going to be Aaron McKenzie. Yes. And right, um, in terms of in terms of the finale, who could you see McKenzie um, on the other side of? I mean, I could see being somebody like Hammond or a Hallbow. Although, Zan, Aaron McKenzie versus Landon Conus just sticks out to me as the kind of perfect fight for lightweight for the finale. Yeah, I'm Just actually gonna, regional champ, regional champ. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm gonna go McKenzie versus Jennerman for the finale and then McKenzie win the show. All right. So that's a lot we've gone through, but I'm excited. So just one more plug here. Live streams every week after Tough with myself and Zan. Tough enough, the ultimate fighter aftermath begins tonight after the premiere. So the premiere is 10 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. And then right after that, about 11 p.m. Eastern, stay tuned. Me and Zan will go live for 20, 30 minutes to recap everything. We'll do that every week for Top 31. Yeah, we're very much looking forward to it. And if you guys like it, we'll continue to do it for future seasons and future UFC specials uh, or Bellator specials, for that matter, when they arise. So thank you again for understanding the schedule switch. but. No, we're doing it for the betterment of the viewers and what you guys want to see in here, which is us scream at each other for 20 minutes every week talking about <laughs> what 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 the bracket should look like and what the bracket currently looks like. And hopefully we get one of those printable brackets so we can see how good your bracket is compared to mine versus how bad uh, my bracket is compared to yours, et cetera, et cetera. This is the UFC version of a... Uh, of a of a tournament, so to speak. But speaking of MMA and uh, competitors, I guess you could say um, their uh, their sister promotion Bellator 
uh, has now launched the men's flyweight division. This has been a long time coming. You knew it was going to happen under under Scott Coker um, uh, uh, in his tenure at some point, and it is now happening. And Tom, we're going to get into this in just a second. But Bellator launching a men's flyweight division is just something that Scott Coker would totally do as almost like a leverage play to say, hey, we're still kind of in the running too. PFL had their big Francis news. The UFC had their big summer blockbuster schedule. We're just going to launch a new division and also re-sign Chris Cyborg. Tom, I think this was part of Bellator's bombshell news and they did it well. What Mm -hmm. do you think of Bellator's new edition and do you think this is a great idea? So this uh, edition actually puts them Four weight classes ahead of PFL, although remember, PFL only ever does six weight classes because they have their season format and only puts them two behind the UFC. But Zan, let's really count that as one because we can't really count women's featherweight as an actual division in the UFC. Now, can we? No, we uh, really can't. Um, for, but, obvious, for, for, for obvious reasons, of course. Uh, just like a Jedi Goodman's tweets about women's headweight rankings every week. And then, and then you'll understand if you don't get it. Um, but my point here with men's flyweight, uh, Zan, I think it's about time. I think, I think Zan, I thought when the flyweight division was getting cleaned around 2018, 2019, and the UFC Bellator would have, would have done something like this. They would have jumped on something like this. Um, nevertheless, I love it. You know, more opportunities in the sport, more opportunities for, you know, fighters who are specifically at the flyweight weight class to go to go to a major MMA promotion. And again, Zan, you're, you're right that it's a way to get Bellator its major news for the summer. It's a way that, you know, if Bellator should be bought out by either the PFL or one championship, it's going to make, you know, for a really good, you know, if they combine one of those, if Bellator and one of those promotions combine forces, it leaks for a really stacked roster, more opportunities. Uh, I, I'm I'm all for this. Yeah, I'm all for yeah, this. Too. And I just, I, I just don't see how you couldn't be. It's just a matter of how are they going to build up the division? Is it going to be, you know, guys who, you know, don't get signed and Dana White contender series or don't get signed be a road to the UFC, or are they going to do what they've done in the past, Tom, and build their stars homegrown, kind of like what they did with AJ with uh, with AJ McKee, or do you think it's going to be a mix of both? What do you What do you think? I could see a mix of both. I mean, it seems like Zan Kyoji Horiguchi is going to be. They're trying to make their star of this weight class now. Kyoji Horiguchi is a bantamweight champion for Bellator and Ryzen. But Zan, back in the day, Kyoji Horiguchi was a flyweight competitor. So it's not like he is inexperienced here. But Zan, I could very well see them taking, you know, whatever flyweights that the UFC doesn't want or one championship doesn't want. And I could see them basically trying to build from the ground up. Because we've seen, Zan, some of these makeshift divisions that the UFC tries out, like a women's featherweight, and it doesn't really go well. I could see a situation here where they're just going to get anybody that they can, regardless of where they come from, to try and build a reputation for the division early. And, you know, here's hoping for some great success for men's 125 for Bellator. Uh, for sure. And do you also think... Uh, in some ways, this could be a way 
to kind of wink, wink, nudge, nudge the UFC, like, hey, you know, you, you guys have really struggled building your flyweight division uh, when, when when the names aren't Davidson Figueredo and Brandon Moreno. This is the, this is this is our way of saying we're coming on your tail, and we're and yep. we're not going to. And we're not going to stop until we have the best flyweight division in the sport. That's to to me. That's what it really feels like. Oh, absolutely, and it's good to do. It's just like I said, Zan. You maybe you should have done this t- around 2019 when it looked like the flyweight division was going to fold. It's amazing, right. Dan, that it was just four years ago we were doing all the save the flyweight stuff, and now Bellator's launching a division. The UFC is going to have its first flyweight men's flyweight main event in six years, which we'll get into. And Zan, you know when they're going to crown the first Bellator flyweight champion? In the co-main almost event. Almost immediately. <laughs> yeah. In the co-main event of Zan, a really awesome card. So last week we talked about, uh, two weeks ago, we talked about the UFC's bombshell of UFC 291 on July 29th, headlined by Poirier Gaethje 2. Last week we mentioned July 29th, also be Crawford Spence. And now Zan, the very next day, Oh boy, the second ever Bellator Ryzen crossover event in Japan. Co-headliner, Kyoji Horiguchi versus Makoto Shinryu for the inaugural Bellator Flyweight Championship. The main event, the final quarterfinal fight in the Bellator Lightweight Grand Prix. AJ McKee versus not Patricio Pitbull, but Patricky Pitbull. Uh, yeah, because for those of you who don't know by now, Patricio Pitbull will, will be competing, obviously, on the Chicago card um, mm-hmm. in a couple of weeks. So that leaves his brother to do the honors, of course. So, so it makes a whole lot of sense there. Patricky, former lightweight champion, just like Patricio. And Patricky, somebody who Ryzen fans are very familiar with. I absolutely very well said. More on more on Shinru. I think he's someone that not a lot of people know about, but he's without a doubt one of the one of the best fighters to come out of Japan in quite some time. He has some solid, solid wins. His most impressive one uh, coming at Ryzen in July of 2022 against then 35, 30, and two. A lot of experience. Um, Hideo uh, Takoro and. Truly, I just think that he's just someone where, you know, he's good wherever the fight goes. And Horiguchi, who we both know has been around forever, I think cannot underestimate him because I literally think if he wins this, if he wins this fight and wins the flyweight championship, he's not just the president of the flyweight division, but he is without a doubt a potential future of the Bellator flyweight division. And someone where if you're a, if, if, if you're, if you're a betting man, it might be a solid early pick. Yeah, Zen, his only loss, uh, Makoto's only loss is to Tatsumitsu Wada in Deep Impact, which, by the way, uh, that's where Shinryu has really competed a lot in his Deep Impact. Although, Zen, he was on that Bellator Japan card in, 20, in December of 2019, where he defeated Yusaku Nakamura. He competed at Ryzen 23 against Sechiro Ito. And then, as you mentioned, when he fought Hideo Takoro last year, and his most, he actually fought Zan uh, in November at CFFC, defeating Diego Palva, fourth round submission, which I think, yeah, was the, for the Cage Fury flyweight championship. And then he, his most recent fight was Ryzen 41, which was back in April, defeating Daichi 
defeating Daichi Kitakata, which, yeah, that didn't have a time online, just making sure. So he's got championship experience before. He's, like you said, one of the best fighters to come out of Japan at this point that's under Bell that Bellator has. So I think this is going to be very interesting. I think this is going to be a tough matchup for Horiguchi, but I think this is going to be an absolutely fun fight. Oh, absolutely. Um, I'm going to say uh, Horiguchi is my early pick, but don't be surprised if Shinru catches him in something late that could that could uh, that could stun um, uh, what I would presume would be a very quiet uh, Japanese uh, crowd. As for the as for the main event, um, I would argue this is probably the biggest Bellator lightweight fight in the history of the division. What do you What do you think? Uh, I don't know if this tops the Chandler uh, Alvarez uh, trilogy, but I think it's definitely a solid. I think it's definitely a solid main event. I think, Zan, you've got at least the storyline build. AJ McKee and his uh, wars with the Pitbull, with the Pitbull crew, and he went with he defeated uh, Patricio once. Patricio got the win back controversially, and now he goes after Patricky in trying to become the Bellator lightweight champion. So, uh, co-main event prediction. I'm going to agree with you, Horiguchi. I think this one goes the. I think this one goes the distance either way because I think they're both going to be too tough for the other to finish. As far as McKee Pitbull goes, um, I see McKee getting a second or third round finish. Okay, I, I, I like McKee Wade as well. I'm going to go McKee in the third round uh, by TKO, but that should be a very fun card if it's built the right way. More information on what the broadcast will look like and more in the weeks to come. We do have, to- sorry, Zan, we do have some notes on the uh, Bellator Ryzen card that it is going to be a little different from last time. We actually are going to see Zan um, both the ring, the Ryzen ring, and the Bellator cage used. So the Ryzen portion of the event is going to be called Super Ryzen 2, according to the wiki. And by the way, we'll feature Mikuru Asakura, Kai Asakura, and Guan Archuleta, the former Bellator uh, champion. In fact, and Guan Archuleta and Kaya Sakura are going to headline that Super Ryzen 2 card, the Ryzen portion of the event, to determine the, to determine the Ryzen Bantamweight champion. Very interesting. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. And um, also, by the way, also, by the way, just to mention the also the Bellator uh, portion, the Bellator MMA portion of the card, really good women's flyweight matchup, Kana Watanabe and Veda Ortega. Yeah, and then Juan Archuleta and uh, Tokiev uh, Musiev will compete during the Ryzen portion as a, yeah. as a heads up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, we've got that. I'm just interesting, Sam, what they're going to do with the uh, with the broadcasting. Yeah, um, that'll be that'll be a uh, a situation to come. But good for Bellator for announcing this now, and it definitely caps off a star-studded combat sports weekend with Saturday night being UFC 291 and Crawford versus Spence. And then the next day over in the United States, Bellator uh, times rising too. So it should be very fun. Uh, unless for- unless they do it live, in which case it could happen, though, you know, just a few hours after the UFC finishes up. <laughs> yeah, which I which I doubt because that's not good for showtime. Or they'll have to... They'll have to figure it out. I think my prediction is they'll air it Sunday in the United States and they'll air it live. That's my, the, 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 it'll, it'll be like a Sunday at like 2 or 3 p.m. And 
Olera, the the Olera's wife. Or something. I feel like I I feel like with the card that big, it has to be aired live in the United States. Live. It has to be. They can't do the tape mm -hmm. delay mess again. They can't. No, they they can't. And I think they learned their lesson from last time because all the all the Twitter hooligans, if you will, were were swarming the Bellator PR Twitter account asking them why in the world it was not live. So I think they heard the message loud and clear that it needs to be live and for and for a media member's sake, like you and I, it needs to it needs to be live for us, so we know that if we have to go live with breaking news, we'll, we'll be able yeah. to, we'll be able to see it. Yeah, yeah. All right, just a couple other notes here from the UFC portion. Zan, UFC, according to Zana White, going to be doing a little bit of uh, media stuff. So apparently, they're working on a behind-the-scenes documentary with Roku, which there's little information on that. Although there's little information on this next thing, but I think it's kind of interesting. Working with Adam Sandler on a new UFC comedy. Yeah, this should be interesting. This is what happens when WME IMG uh, merges with with the WWE. You're going to get crossover things. Uh, ben, like Adam Sandler, sorry, Adam Sandler is represented by Endeavor, so I guess it kind of makes sense. Also, Zan, Adam Sandler's production company, The Happy Madison. You know what they were responsible for in 2012? At least partially. Uh, was it was it something to do with the Fox deal or no? Nope. Uh, a little movie that had some MMA. Oh, well, here, oh. here comes the boom. Here, here comes the boom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With Kevin James. Um, yeah. Which, which, by the way, if you guys have not seen it, it's a timeless classic. I would say it's um, a guilty pleasure of mine. I love it. You got to You got to You got to watch it. Given your, given your. Um, given your teaching experience, um, it probably makes your heart a little happy. Does it, does it, does it, it, not, it's, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty, it's pretty cool. It would be, it would be the equivalent of like you somehow making, making your UFC debut and me having and then to, I have to fight Brock Lesnar. <laughs> and then I'm sitting there in the front row, like trying to cover my eyes to make sure you don't get hurt. <laughs> hey. Oh, oh, no, 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 not even Brock Lesnar. It's me versus Francis Ngannou. Maybe I'm Francis's opponent. Oh, that's even that's even worse. <laughs> uh, um, even my even my level of MMA coaching would not would not be able to would not be able to help you through that. I'll I'll hire Ben Davis, I guess. <laughs> that's a point. For those of you who don't know, uh, Ben Davis is a is a rising MMA media member. And uh, and he competed in a in a in a grappling event. It did not last very long over the over the weekend. <laughs> Shout out to Ben for just you know putting the idea out there and going through with it, and you know just all that he did for it. Big Absolutely. shout out to him. Absolutely. He has he has more he has more balls than any than quite a few people out there on the uh, the you know the Twitter troglodytes as Mara Ranallo likes to call them. I would I would I would say so. So shout out to Ben the Bane Davis, and you know, and you know who you are if you if you supported him in that regard. Nonetheless, though, this Adam Samwer UFC comedy it should be hilarious. I hope it's like a series of sorts. That would be that would be funny if it was like an actual sitcom series uh, with actual characters in it. Um, I, I I think it's going to be my my prediction is it's going to be a Adam Samwer UFC comedy. That's going to start on Fight Pass, and if it's good enough, it'll go to Netflix or Hulu. 
That's what that's what I that's what that's what I think. Feels like something that I don't know, Zan. I'm just hearing Dana White and Adam Sandler present in this weird, you know, UFC comedy. I don't know. Oops, we broke the octagon again or something. It feels like something that would have aired. You know, this kind of idea would have aired back in the day on either the WB or UPN or something. Uh, good, good point. Good, good, good point. Um, this feels almost like it's going to be a remake of the Friends episode, but like over 20 years later. <laughs> oh, Which, by the way, if you have not seen the UFC Friends episode or the UFC Glee episode, they are timeless. <laughs> they are absolutely timeless. <laughs> I'm I'm also interested. I I know you actually mentioned before we started going. You're about this behind the scenes documentary. This like day in the. I wonder what it's like a day in the life of being I don't know a UFC intern or something like that. Well, yeah. I mean, I would have been I would have been able to tell you had they had had they had, had they hired me this summer, <laughs> but unfortunately, unfortunately, they did not. Now that now that is something that I will always be curious about myself. So. Well, maybe um, we'll find out with this Roku documentary. Yeah, well, 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 hopefully there was supposed to be another documentary airing on Fox Nation with uh, with Tucker Carlson and Dana White, and obviously that blew up in smoke. That didn't. That didn't. Yeah, yeah, that might have been a bad idea. <laughs> uh, yeah, that might have been that, that might have been a really bad idea. Well, let's just hope it's not one of those situations either. But yeah. That that's a that's a documentary, Sand. You and I could have winded up winded up on as like wanted media members. I'd say more so you than me, because for me, I've actually interacted with Dana White, and they've all been pretty darn positive. So you say that, Sand. You say that like we didn't mention last week, where he talked to Robin Black and then he shot on Robin Black. <laughs> yeah, but I think Dana Dana looks more at social media than he does actual like podcast like he's not going to sit and have time and, and listen to all of his insults it's not like we have a compilation on our on our empty the bench channel of just insults don't say insults. that morgason will do it i mean i oh okay i guess now we can put the video in production and 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 maybe or maybe he won't respond to it all right Let's just end with the main events of this week's UFC at the Apex. At the U at the UFC Apex, because of course it is. Kai Car France versus Amir Obazi. This is your this is your typical UFC Apex main event, which is let's just let's just throw that out. Respect to the flyweights, I think that was point part of the point of this week is to do tough and to give the flyweights respect. No, of course. What I'm saying is is that this is a typical apex fight in the sense that these two don't deserve to be fighting at the apex. They deserve to be fighting in front of the crowd. Do you agree? Do you agree with yes. that? Yes. Especially Kai Car France, former interim title challenger, Amir Obazi, who's saying this is the biggest fight, the biggest opportunity that he has to put himself into title contention. This deserves a little better than, and, and the original main event say it was out Brendan Allen versus Jack Manson, which that deserved an international crowd and not the Apex. Which, by the way, you correctly predicted four weeks before the fight was announced. Who said that? You, you said that Romance versus Allen is a great fight, and they made and they made the fight. And but they put it at the Apex, and Zan that fight or this fight, Zan, especially somebody like Albazi or Car France or uh, Jack Manson, deserve to be you know deserves to be international. 
Let's go to Europe. Let's go to Asia or, or New Zealand or something. Not the freaking Apex. Oh, I know. I know. Although, what is nice, I guess, in some regard, is that the start time isn't that bad. So it's, and, it's on, and, it's on, and it's on linear ESPN this week, I think. It's, or is just the just the main card though, not the not the free ones. All right, good enough. Yeah. Um, what do you think? Does Car France is he able to hold off Albazi, or do you think Albazi? I mean, Albazi's pretty good with his submissions, but Car France has the experience factor here. It's either going to be Car France by decision or Albazi by third round sub, in my in my opinion. I want to lean to. I don't know. This is a tough one for me. I mean, Car France. I let me look at his. Let me look at the schedule. I mean, his only losses are Brandon Moreno and Brandon Royval. I I, I kind of have the feeling that his experience might be a little much. I'm I'm gonna go Car France by decision. Oh, you are okay. I, my gut saying Alvazi submission. <laughs> brain brain and gut are not lining up. Oh, I'm actually wrong. The entire card is free on linear ESPN. There you go. I like it. The entire card is free on linear ESPN beginning at 6 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Central. So there you go. Boom. Love it. Um, I have to say, uh, yeah, I'll take Car France too. And just a brief shout out to Jim Miller. That fight with 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 he and Jared Gordon is gonna be fantastic. Yeah, Jim Miller versus Jared Gordon is another fight I'm looking forward to on this on this card. It's actually really exciting. And then the, the path continues for Jim Miller towards that UFC 300 appearance. Yeah, I my prediction is he'll fight he'll fight twice. So he'll he'll fight this one and then he'll fight before the end of another the year. One. And and he'll and and he'll fight once in in like the early part of 24 and then fight at UFC 300. I, I, I could see that. Now, right. wait, speaking of UFC 300, though, now that we're briefly on the subject, given the UFC's current event schedule, it is it is projected to take place in April 24. But as we keep talking about, do you think they're going to try to drag it out to July just like they did with 100 and 200? Probably not. Zan, Zan, probably not. Because at this point, it's not even about the month for the UFC. As we say on and on ETB and Game On, you know what it is all about, Sam? The money. It's all about the money. But an April event in Vegas just sounds weird, does it? Does it not? I know, I know. But Sam, you're thinking, you're trying to think with logic. You're trying to think with logic against money. That's not going to work, my friend. I know, I know. But a man, a man who's been watching MMA since 2006 can only dream, right? So, yeah, I mean, I mean, there, there you go. But a man uh, who has been around since the first season of Tough can only dream as well. Which, by the way, speaking of Tough, did you watch the Ultimate Fighter season one as it was airing? Yep. Really? Yeah. So you were one of those millions of people that watched Forrest Griffin and Stephen Bonner and started calling all your friends and saying, "Turn it's on Spike TV." Well, I was ten years old, so I, <laughs> so I didn't have any friends. I uh, didn't have any friends that could really, you know, tune in with. But definitely at the, uh, you know, at the playground the next day, next day at school, two days because it was Saturday. 
uh, it was me and a couple others talking about the fight. Like I, I've mentioned that I was a WWE fan and in tough with air after Raw, and I would watch the season every week. And Zan, that's why Forrest Griffin versus Stefan Bonner is my favorite fight ever for UFC. Because you'll never forget. What, do you do you remember where you were for the fight? Yeah, was watching next to my TV, <laughs> and I had my eyes glued. That's awesome. I, I I was not. I came a little later. I started watching it in season three, so I had to catch up on season one and season two as oh, my. Oh, youth. you ha- you watched the you first was the Bisping season. Yep, with with Ortiz and Shamrock and Bisping winning the show. Yep, yep, exactly. And and my and then my first UFC event in person was two years later, right before. The Ultimate Fighter 8 finale, I went to UFC 90 in Chicago when Anderson Silva by Patrick Cote. And at that event at the Allstate Arena is where I learned, Tom, what a prelim was. Because I thought when the main card would start, that's when the entire event would start. I had no idea there was such thing as undercard fights that weren't on TV. So when I looked at the ticket stub and I asked my dad... Why did the fight start at five o'clock? He's like, well, it's because they're the they're, they're the unaired prelim fights. So I quickly learned what a prelim was, even though I was only about seven or eight years old. And nice. now, and now we just take prelims for granted. Oh, now I know. Yeah, go ahead. You know, but you remember back in the day where everyone would request that the prelims aired. Zan, do you remember the days of Facebook prelims? Not only do I remember the days of Facebook prelims, I remember the days where after the main event, they would start the card over from the first undercard fight or one of the select undercard fights in the pay-per-view that made the pay-per-view broadcast from earlier in the evening. Oh, yeah. I said I remember the days when they were basically, you know, fights ended early and they needed time to fill. They just, oh, here's a fight from the prelims, by the way. Yeah, they obviously don't do that anymore. Now we just take prelims for... Granted, there's actually a very speaking of prelims. I don't know how we got on this, but speaking of prelims, there actually is a very interesting video. I'll have to send it to you, and we can also share it. There's a video of if you miss the prelims for every single UFC event, like all 42 events, if you don't watch a single prelim the entire year, how much UFC are you actually missing? And it's like a 30 minute video. Oh, and 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 the I, I forget who the YouTuber was, but they basically go back and they say, oh, a UFC prelim was established in 1997. There have been however many prelim fights over the course of 20 plus years. And it basically comes to the conclusion, do you or do you not miss a ton of UFC if you don't watch the prelims? But yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool how we both came up and started watching MMA uh, around around the same time. It's it's pretty cool. And then and then Zan with Bellator and the, recent, and the most recent PFL event, we have post limbs. <laughs> Yeah, which those I which those I don't stay up for, but yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I've never understood the point of a post limit, and I hope I it's like I do like the MMA after dark kind of feeling though. <laughs> oh come on! Oh come on! <laughs> MMA after dark. <laughs> it just feels like the cards take forever sometimes. I know, but I know. But I'm just, the- thinking, I'm just thinking, Zan, of like you know, a, a, a card like a post slim kind of card. Where it's like almost like for those who watch wrestling, they would get at the AEW dark. Where it's almost like commentary just doesn't give a doesn't give a you know what at that point, and they just go rambling on about things in the middle of the fight. 
Yeah. Like you get um, a, like a podcast with MMA fights going on. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Very similar to a fight companion of sorts. Exactly. Uh, it's funny that we talk about prelims and post about a lot of prelims, and because we've reached our post limb, <laughs> we're done. I think. Yeah, we we have reached our post limb, if you will. So, with that being said, this has been episode forty of the MMA Outsiders. Before we get out of here, on your way out, be sure to like and subscribe and share the show. Be sure to turn on the notification bell on the Empty the Bench Network so you get notified of everything that is going on at the Empty the Bench Network including all of the amazing content that's coming out across various shows. A lot going on in the sports world, especially this week with the conclusion of the Eastern Conference Finals and Western Conference Finals for the NBA and NHL, plus so much more. I'm Zan Bando. You can find my work over at bjpen.com. I'm a staff writer there. I'm also a Bellator rankings panelist. So whenever the rankings do come out, just know that even though there's a shift in change, I had some sort of a... And it's always so file open. all complaints to this guy here. You can file every ranking complaint to me, and I'll see what I'll see what I'll see what I, I can do so I can get better for the next one. I'm also striving to make sure that eight and old fighters are not ranked in the top six, and that the more experienced fighters go at the go at the, go at the top. I'm trying. I'm advocating for it. We'll see where we'll, we'll are, see. Are where you, you going to be one, like one of those people who still rank Valerie Lareda after she loses to an unranked fighter? Right, you have to find out. <laughs> you have to find out. On top of that, you can find my work over at Fansided MMA, and like I mentioned in the intro, uh, you can catch my work over at uh, not just Fansided, but the PFL with some of their website stuff for the live results when the second half of the uh, regular season begins in just a couple of weeks. Yeah, definitely check out Tom's work there. And then, of course, uh, as you guys know, we hinted at it. We will have live coverage of Bellator 297 in Chicago. I will be either for BJPenn.com. It's probably the biggest uh, early Bellator card of the summer, so I'm very much looking forward to that. Another credentialed uh, combat sports event off the list. There will have all that and more as the as that. Hey, Sam, what the hell? <laughs> what? Oh, can you can you see me now or no? Zan, look to your left. Look. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> well, you said it last week. Well, that was well, that was not me. Well, that was well, that was not me. I'll say I'll say that. Uh, I didn't even, I didn't even. I no, didn't that even was me. <laughs> well, <laughs> just, just to reiterate, unless, um, unless we make it a part of the intro, I am still standing. <laughs> <is> still talking. <laughs> I'm fixing everything. Don't worry. All right. So also make sure to, you know, subscribe to youtube.com slash ETV network to get notified of everything here. Hit the notification bell. If you don't want to see Zan and I's horrific looking faces, you can check out the audio only platforms. A class to Spotify, so much more. And for those of you listening on audio only, check out the YouTube feed as well. So that's Zan. I'm Tom. We'll see you next week. Actually, no, Zan. Well, not just we'll see you next week. We'll see you tonight. Live stream for episode one off top. Yeah, we'll see you tonight where we'll break down the madness that is episode one of Tough 31. It's almost like an MMA holiday that people look forward to every single year. We're excited. I need to bring it all to you again. Just a reminder, the Ultimate Fighter is on linear ESPN. 
for the first time ever, 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. You don't, don't want to miss it. Conor McGregor is back, and the UFC summer schedule is in full force. So here we go. Here we go. So we'll see you tonight. See you tonight.